why don't you be seated? You know, we really have been in an interesting time, a season of time of just purposing a uh, spiritual wellness check. And, you know, I want to ask you a question, if you can just think about maybe a deeper sense of answer, but are you spiritually well? Are you spiritually well? In a moment where um, we're just coming together in worship, again, it's easy to get, kind of get lost in what's taking place in the room and not really pay attention to what's happening in the atmosphere. And uh, I believe today's a lot about that to help us understand Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. It's an interesting portion of Scripture but what was taking place in the immediate circumstances could have produced a wild reaction, but rather he chose to respond to what the Father was doing in that moment. Uh, I easily react. I am just that. That's part of my design, my gift. Um, every gift comes with the curse. <laughs> There's a strength and a weakness. Uh, and so I, I know I have a real reactor that just is so easy. It's just, just, just a trigger uh, kind of a hair trigger reaction. Anybody else like that in the room? Just raise your hand. Let's just be honest. Those of you who have a quick reaction. Uh, what we want to learn, learn today is how to slow the reaction and purpose the response. And that's really what being spiritually well, uh, is. it characterizes spiritual wellness in many respects. So the key portion of scripture that we've looked at has been in John 14 in the initial process of this season. In verse 18 of John 14, Jesus identifies this orphan spirit that needs to be addressed in the world in which we live. Adam disconnected from Father God in the Garden of Eden, leaving an orphan spirit to uh, travel through the generations. And so we need to recognize and understand this is important for us to begin to address. There's an orphan mindset, an orphan way of thinking. And we want to conquer that as best we can as we learn to live by the Spirit. John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. You may be orphans. I will not leave you that way. I'm going I'm to conquer the orphan mindset that's easily offended. Quick reaction. I'm going to conquer the orphan mindset that's self-preserving, self-protecting, insecure, fearful, emotionally and relationally disconnected. All these reactions that keep me from ever going deep in a relationship because I am given to an orphan mindset. Jesus said, I will not leave you that way. Aren't you glad? So how does he redeem us? He dies on the cross, rescues our lives, and introduces us, the one who loves me. It goes on and says, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. The love of the Father redeems the orphan out of the mindset of uncertainty and insecurity. You have to understand, we live in an orphan culture. And this is kind of a new concept that we've been talking about. I've had so many people say, I've never really thought about this way, the orphan, you know, this perspective, and the Father God that we serve. But we live in an orphan culture that lives and strives and seeks with everything that we are as a culture to find likes, recognitions, and invitations in our social media central uh, world. We're constantly bombarded with and inclined to pay attention to who's liking what I'm doing, 
liking what I'm saying, liking what I'm posting, who's inviting me into the groups, uh, who's affirming me. That's an orphan mindset. I, I just... There's a real funny illustration I want to give you, but I just am not willing to step into a moment of humor yet. I feel the Lord's doing something deep right up front, and I just want to cooperate with him. Um, Mark Lira, maybe he stepped out. Somebody maybe could find Mark for me. We were going to do this a little later. Um, but on Tuesday mornings, we meet here at 6 o'clock. Mark, if you would go ahead and come. I know I'm changing the order. Forgive me. I know you just walked off the platform. They probably pulled you out of the men's restroom. <laughs> uh, but I just feel this is a moment that we want to just pay attention to. Tuesday mornings, we um, gather in this room. We stream online, 6 o'clock, and we just press into the presence of the Lord. Mark's been a key factor of this for quite a while as a, a just incredible musician. And, um, and so this past Tuesday morning as he was playing, it just struck me um, that he's carrying something for us to capture. And in a moment where we're paying attention to what the Holy Spirit's desiring to reveal, um, I think it's important that we take this moment. You know, I was reading scripture, uh, in Scripture recently, and Elisha was asked, um, will you give us a word from God? And it really struck me, his response was, bring me a musician. Bring me a minstrel. Not just a musician, but someone who carries something of the spirit in the way they play their instrument. There's something significant about music and prayer. If you know bowls and harps, the book of Revelation, I mean, this ties in very significantly for us. And I just felt that today I wanted to bring a little bit of the atmosphere of Tuesday morning 6 a.m. prayer where you will just posture yourselves for a moment. And I want to ask you, today I'm talking about how the sons and daughters of God can embrace the Father's perspective. And I just want to give you a moment. And I would ask that you just try to lessen all distractions. Just should, again, just quiet yourself. The, probably the best thing is just close your eyes, open your heart, and we're just going to take a few moments I just want us to experience his presence. And I want you to listen to what the Father may desire to encourage you with, just speak to you with in these few moments that we'll have. privilege of being sons and daughters of God in the earth who are led by the Spirit of God. And I pray, Lord, that we would more intentionally purpose times like this just in our own lives where we're just listening the busyness with thousands of voices screaming for our attention. The voice of the Spirit is available to us in the midst of it all. So we give you thanks, Lord. 
pray that today, Lord, as we explore into your word, that we would hear with clarity what you're desiring to reveal and things within us would be awakened so the world around us would be transformed by your mighty power. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I'm sure thankful for our many gifted singers, musicians, and uh, Mark, thank you very much. Um, I taught him everything he just played, by the way. I just, I mean, I want to be humble about it, but why don't you give him a hand, you know, appreciation. <laughs> I thought I missed the rapture. I'm looking for him. He's gone. He's stepped out back. But you're still here, so we're good. If Lexi's here, I know I'm good. Ah. <laughs> uh. You know, um, waiting on the Lord is very boring in the underdeveloped, overstimulated church. We live in a day where the church is very underdeveloped and overstimulated, where an encounter takes a second seat to entertainment, not because we try to entertain, it's just because the cultural has shaped our ideology so much that it impacts our theology. How many believe God wants us to go deeper? How many of you are hungry to go deeper? Yeah, let's do. Come on, let's celebrate that in. Let's just call that in in Jesus' name. We want more, Lord. One of the illustrations that the Bible uses to um, describe us is sheep. How many of you know sheep are dumb? Right. <laughs> like even with a shepherd, <laughs> sheep are still dumb. And I found this clip and I actually, we're going to watch it three times because I, I laughed at it so hard. I, we actually worked to, to make it, three, the third time it's going to slow-mo, like you're going to be dazed and, and amazed at how dumb sheep are. Here you go. <laughs> One more time. Full speed. Think about your own life. <laughs> Slow mo. <laughs> oh, who can relate? Who can relate? I mean, I can totally relate way more than I really wish I could, but we all have more of an orphan attitude than we realize. We all have more of an orphan mindset, disposition, perspective than any of us really want to admit. That's why today I, I just want us to talk about what it is for sons and daughters of God to possess the Father's perspective. Where we would just take a few moments and just relish that we have access 
to the perspective of our Father. I mean, isn't that amazing? Can we just stop for a moment and think about how truly amazing that statement really is? I mean, I know it's just old hat to us. It's just common knowledge to us, but that is, that is phenomenal. That is amazing that we have access into the throne room of God, our Father, the creator of the universe. His perspective is accessible to us. So when you begin to access the perspective of your heavenly Father, it will change so much about your life. Because as orphans, we start to commune with the Father, and we start to see things from a son and daughter's perspective rather than an orphan attitude. So I want you to to watch the context of the scripture I'm going to point out, realizing and thinking about the fact this is Father God. Everybody, please say Father. Father God. Jesus came introducing the world to Father God. And so this is Father God having a conversation with a 99-year-old man who did not have his son. Okay, he didn't have a son. 99 years old. Understand the context and now pay attention to what happens when you get in touch with the Father's perspective and how, um, how, how much God disregards your limiting circumstance. Anybody here need a miracle? Anybody here need a miracle in an area of your life? You know, that the, you know that God the Father has no regard for your limiting circumstance because with God all things are possible. 99-year-old man, no child, and this is what God says to him. Genesis 17, 4-6. This is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Abraham is saying, you promised me a boy. You promised me a son. And I, you know, if I could just have a son. All Abraham wants is a son. And what does God say? You're not only going to be a father. You're going to be the father of many nations. And I will make you very fruitful. And I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. God said to Abraham, I am going to make you a father. I am going to make you a life giver. The world didn't give you what you need to do what I've called you to do, but I'm going to put what you need in you straight from the heart of God Almighty so that you can accomplish things you never imagined or dreamed were possible. In God's kingdom, you just have to understand. I I mean, the bottom line, I feel like in talking this orphan mindset, I feel like I'm up here week after week through this season walking through a little bit of a minefield of father wounds. Because I know that there are many people who have had very difficult, dysfunctional relationships with their earthly dad that then makes it difficult to identify with a heavenly father. And I understand that, and I feel like so many times I'm walking through this minefield of giving consideration that I I don't want to be insensitive, but I want you to understand something. In the same way, a 99-year-old man who never had a son is not only going to have a son, but nations and kings will come from him. That's the same God who says, in my kingdom, your deficiency does not have to produce dysfunction because I will be a father to the fatherless. Whether you had no dad or whether your dad was there and not there, it does not matter in the kingdom of God deficiency does not have to produce dysfunction the voice of your father God has the power to call things out of you that you did not even know could come from you 
And he will, if you will get in touch with the Father's perspective, instead of living the lie that because you didn't get it, you don't have it to give. I want you to know, you do not have any excuse to live in a state of lack or inability to give what you didn't have because God will give you everything you need to fulfill your God-given call and assignment. So we can rise above those limitations. It's just the nature of God, our Father. And I love it because the reality is when suddenly uh, inspiration comes from the unlikely places around us, how many of you know everybody comes alive? Like it's, it's the underdog story. How many movies have you gone to see and the underdog comes back? Rocky comes back. Nobody thought Rocky could do it and he did it. And we're all inspired because we think we can't do it. And if maybe he can do it. I mean, do you understand? This is just the, this is a kingdom principle. This is God taking little David. Like, how can God use little David? It's God taking little Gideon. How could God use little Gideon? Gideon was the least of his family, the least of his tribe. I mean, he was the least of the least of the least. God is an expert at doing more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed. Even just five loaves and two fish can feed 5,000 people. Do you understand? When that begins to happen, everybody around that situation that beats all odds, they come alive. I want to be alive. I want to be used by God in such a way that even my own self-disqualification doesn't get in his way because I've gotten in touch with the Father's perspective. I want you to watch uh, another video. And this is a very unlikely source of singing. And if you'll just pay attention to what happens when this person decides to really give her all and what takes place in the crowd around her. And I want you to think about the great crowd around you in your life. What will happen when you step more fully into who God's designed you to be? Welcome to America's Got Talent. How are you? Um, a little bit nervous. That's okay to be nervous. That's totally understandable. What's your name? Courtney. And how old are you? 13. Oh, 13. Wow. Um, what's your favorite subject in school? Music. What kind of music? I don't know. <laughs> you're very sweet. And I'm guessing you're going to be singing for us? Yeah. Listen, don't be nervous. I know this is a big stage and there's lots of people here, but you're here for a reason, so go for it and good luck. Thank you.
look on your faces. <laughs> I mean, tears being wiped away, smiles being, I mean, can, aren't you inspired? You are that to your world. When somebody looks at you and they say, whoa, I wasn't expecting God to do that in you. You become that source of inspiration that, well, if God can do that, Maybe there's hope for me. Do you understand that's the nature of the kingdom of a servant who's the king? He wants us all to find a sense of hope, but we have to get in touch with the Father's perspective. You say, I'm 99, I don't have a child, there's just no way. That's the perfect time for God to take you into his hands and do something that will blow people's minds. That's just the kind of father that he is. I want to point this out in, in another way, in a portion of scripture, maybe a perspective you've not heard or thought about before. But it's young, overlooked, undervalued, King David, long before anybody thought he could be the king. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11. And Samuel asked, Jesse. This is when Samuel comes to town going to anoint the next king. Uh, Saul's reign is coming to a close and so here the prophet of God is told to go and anoint the king. So he goes to the house that God has told him to go to not knowing which son he's supposed to select. He's gone through all of the sons and then he says these words. Are these all the sons you have? In other words, the king I'm supposed to anoint isn't here. Are these all the sons you have? And Jesse answered, well, there's still the youngest. It's important that you understand this word. Everybody say youngest. This is an important Hebrew word in Scripture, and there's some insight to be gained. Jesse uh, said, well, there's still the youngest, but he's tending the sheep. And Samuel said this. I wish we had time to go into this element of it because it's profound. Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. The one that didn't even have enough status to be invited now we will all stand in his honor until he gets into the house i mean that's that's significant but but let's focus in on the word youngest 
the Hebrew word that translates youngest doesn't just mean least in age. That word translates in other portions of Scripture small. It also translates unimportant. It also translates insignificant. Youngest, smallest, unimportant, insignificant, David. Is this all, these all the sons you have? Yeah, but the youngest, smallest, most insignificant, least important kid I have is out in the field tending the sheep. What you may not realize is Hebrew scholars kind of circle around this in a unique way, pointing to a portion of Scripture where David gives indication that it's possible he could have been conceived as a child in iniquity as an illegitimate son. Maybe that's why he's out in the field. The reason Hebrew scholars say this is because of what David wrote in Psalms 51, verse 5. He said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. We don't really know the details of this, but what we do know is there was enough of an insignificant assignment placed in David's life that he didn't even get to come to the party when the mighty prophet was showing up to anoint someone as king. I mean, if there's somebody we know for sure that's not going to get the position of the king, it's that kid, and he's going to be out there, and that's the very kid God reaches out and pulls him up and stands him in front of people, and everybody around him is inspired. They cannot believe how can God do what God just did with what God just used an unlikely person in an unlikely place that is unlikely in everybody's mind all of a sudden this is going to be the king of all Israel through which the Messiah Jesus Christ would one day come what is holding you back what are your limitations how have you disqualified yourself because I believe God today is saying I break disqualification off of you in my kingdom your deficiency does not have to be about dysfunction rise up sons and daughters of God and embrace the father's perspective regardless of the potential idea that David was in some way illegitimately born to Jesse. The reality is he wasn't invited, so that clearly communicates that he was of a status of less importance, less significant, indicating he could have a very serious father wound of his own. Everybody's surprised when he suddenly is awakened under the voice of Samuel, recognizing the voice of Father God. Important term that we wrestle with. The voice of the Father. The voice of the Father. There have been many mornings my girls have described what it's like to hear the voice of their earthly father. As I would come and stand at their bedroom door early before anybody would be getting up and I would just begin praying and one day after I had been praying Faith got up later in the morning and she came and she said dad I'm so glad you pray but could you keep it down a little bit you're waking me up <laughs> I was so encouraged in the Lord but I thought to myself how many children grow up never hearing the voice of their father when they are praying for their sons and daughters and I just want to say today, if that is, and, and listen, let, let's just be clear. My dad's here somewhere. Is, where's he? 
So he just went to the bathroom. When he comes back in, we'll celebrate. <laughs> I, I want you to hear me say this. I never heard my dad pray for me. He wasn't a Christian and I wasn't a Christian until I was an adult. He never gave me what I give my kids. Do you hear me? Deficiency does not have to produce dysfunction. You can give what you don't have because God will give it through you if you'll surrender to him and embrace the perspective of the Father. Stop making excuses. The Father's voice, it's very important that you understand this. The Father's voice awakens something within the sons and daughters of God. And I'm not speaking of the earthly father, I'm speaking of the heavenly father. And maybe he'll use the earthly father, and maybe he'll have to go another direction in your life. But deficiency will not produce dysfunction if you will stop making excuses and pointing to the deficiency as a reason why you can't. Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So here's Samuel. I don't know if you understand or not. Samuel is providing something for David that Samuel's own father didn't provide for him. Samuel learned under a spiritual father, Eli, how to hear the voice of God. And then I started realizing this is all throughout Scripture, and I've never seen it to the degree that I began to recognize and realize. But even 2 Kings chapter 2, 11 to 13, we read where Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind, and Elisha cried out to him, what? My father, my father. There's something about a spiritual father. Elisha's father was a very wealthy, successful business person. And Elisha was about the business of his earthly father. When Elijah showed up and said, I'm calling you to the business of our spiritual father. Come follow me. Give it all up and come follow me. And we would later hear that same language in the New Testament when Jesus was saying, I want to introduce you to your heavenly father. Lay it all down and come follow me. And then we would see Timothy who would grow. In scripture we find Timothy who had a a father who was Greek and a mother who was Jew. And the indication and idea is that Timothy's father was not a believer. But his spiritual father, Timothy, woke something up in him spiritually, even though his earthly father didn't provide perhaps that which he needed to fulfill his God-given assignment. Paul awakened it within him, and he would later tell Timothy, fan into flame the gifts and anointings that are in you by the laying on of my hands. There's an impartation that came from heaven because I was willing to stand in the gap and be used by God to release something in your heart that you needed to fulfill your assignment. Are you willing to be a spiritual mother and spiritual father to a generation that needs you? Because the Bible predicts and prophesies in the last days our sons and daughters will prophesy. I'm not talking about our natural sons and daughters. I'm talking about our spiritual sons and daughters. Whether they're natural or not is almost secondary and irrelevant. Let them be our spiritual sons and daughters. There are people that need your voice to awaken something within them, as Samuel did with David, as Elijah did with Elisha, as Paul did with Timothy. So shall it be with us in Jesus' mighty name. I'm pretty much finished. Why don't you stand? I've got to save a little something for the next service. I feel the power of God in this room. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I sense the presence of God.
the voice of the Father. Deep calling to deep. Hunger being awakened within us for the things of the Spirit. Because the nature of your Father God exists within you. You are awakened as mothers and fathers in the faith to awaken others. As Elisha was used by God to awaken Samuel, Samuel was used by God to awaken David, David was used by God to awaken Solomon. It was in David's heart to build the temple. And the Bible says it was good that you had this in your heart to build the temple, but this is an assignment to the next generation. So David then provided that which Solomon was to fulfill as a progression. Do you understand how significant all of this is? I said in our graduation this last Friday night, something that I just spoke probably a month ago, just said it in passing. I've been reflecting on it. You serve a generational God. You serve a generational God. God thinks generationally. If you allow yourself to think circumstantially, then you will never understand that much of what is happening to you has more to do with who is coming after you than it even does with you. Therefore, if you think circumstantially, you will allow yourself to grow weary in well-doing because circumstantially, this is very discouraging. But generationally, I am fighting for something well beyond my own life. That's why our action point this week is consider specifically how you can provide for someone this week as an expression of gratitude for what God has provided for you. Somebody around you this week, how can you provide for them in some way as an expression of gratitude of how God has provided for you? You have to experience his heart before you can express his love. So let's just take a moment. I want to invite you just to experience the heart of God. I think we all probably sense God's really having a, a equally specific conversation with us today. Self-disqualification is broken in this room right now. Online, in every room, every person listening to this, self-disqualification is broken in Jesus' mighty name. Word curses that have been spoken over you. I had somebody put their finger in my face one day. and In fact, it was in the presence of Mr. Howard. We were in the, a meeting with a very angry parent years ago when I was the principal of the school. And she put her finger in my face and she said, you will never amount to anything. And I believed it for a few days after that very intense conversation. But I navigated through and there was a voice that drowned out the voice of accusation. There was a voice that drowned out the voice of disappointment. There was a voice that drowned out the voice of distraction. There is a greater voice within you. I'm calling to that voice right now. But you must experience his heart before you're able to truly express his love. So, Lord, we just want to experience your heart. We want to experience your heart as a way of life. We want to walk with you in such a way that we're experiencing your love. 
You're the master at doing more than we thought you could with less than we thought you needed. So here we are, Lord, send us. We want to experience your heart so we can truly express your love. Come on, you experience the heart of God by surrendering to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. Whether you're online, whether you're in this room, if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, I invite you now, open your heart wide. Just recognize Jesus is who he says he is. He came, he lived, he died, but he is risen from the grave. And the power of the Spirit is at work in our lives, drawing us into a deeper understanding of who our Heavenly Father is as he awakens our own gifted lives to fulfill our God-given assignment. Come on, if you agree Jesus is Lord, why don't you shout amen and give him a hand clap of praise. He is Lord. We honor the Lord Jesus Christ today. Come on, we give him praise. To the atmosphere around us. So I want to ask you, would you do that? Let's translate what God's stirring in our hearts today with just a few moments of worship before we're dismissed and conclude. During this time of worship, it's a great time for you. There are communion stations right here at the back of the center. If you just want to go back and just embrace and celebrate the broken body of Jesus and the shed blood of Christ, then you can do that in those little capsules that are set up right back there at the middle, of, uh, back in the middle of this section. They're giving stations on the walls back here. It's a great time for you to say, materialism will have no hold on me, and I will honor the Lord with my tithe, with my offer, with my giving as worship unto Him. That's why we do that. Come on, let's bring our hearts before the Lord as we just press in and we worship the Lord just for a few more moments before we conclude.